Morning guys. Um, for those of you who have not met me before, my name's Ray. Um, I'm one of the church family here at Lionsdown, and I'd like to extend my welcome to Andrew's. Really warm welcome to you, and like Andrew said, especially if you're joining us for the first time. So with great privilege, I'm going to speak on um, Psalm 143, and it's continuing our series, our summer series, and Psalms for All Seasons. And it, it's such an amazing psalm, I'm really um, privileged to share this with you. And if you find it helpful, you might have been given a um, handout at the beginning, at the, at the entrance of the door, or if you're tuning in online, then you can download the PDF, which is in the description below. So uh, let me read uh, Psalm 143. A Psalm of David. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me. In your righteousness, Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you, my soul thirsts for you like a parched land, Selah. Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your namesake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies. And you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul for I am your servant. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word and thank you for the opportunity to share this message with church family. I pray that you would give us all humble hearts and ears to listen to your word. I pray that we will receive it and we will be changed by it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> So I'm going to ask you guys, how do you manage a crisis in your life? A real crisis, not just a broken nail or a chipped tooth, a real life catastrophe. Or do you respond in denial? Do you think things aren't really as bad as they seem? Do you continue to smile and carry on like nothing's happened? Do you panic? Do you suffer severe anxiety? Do you exhibit this fight-or-flight response? Do you seek help? Do you grab help from anywhere and anyone offering help to you? Friends, family, colleagues, internet? Do you do Google search? How to respond in a crisis? Six steps. Maybe you're in a crisis right now and you just don't know how to manage. Well, you're not alone. Because King David here, he's in a crisis. But yet, you see, he has great joy and great reasons that he wants to share with us to praise God. 
So what's the crisis that David's in when crisis comes? From verse 3, he says, For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. That's the position David's in. He's like his helpless animal pursued by his enemies. We don't know if the enemies are King Saul or um, his son Absalom. But we do know that his enemies have been seemingly successful in their onslaught, right? He says his emotional state has been smashed. He's like he's living in darkness amongst dead. And his spirit and heart are overwhelmed with distress. We can safely say that his situation is pretty grim. But isn't that the feelings that we experience in darkness, in crises, when you're trying to sleep at night, you can't get to sleep, and it's the first thing you experience when you wake up. It's still dark. The relentless gut-wrenching feelings of anxiety, sadness, and anger even. Isn't that what you experience maybe when your job's been threatened? Someone in the company trying to push you out, you can't understand why, and you're the sole earner, you can't leave that job. Maybe you've had an attack on your marriage. Your marriage has suffered unfaithfulness. Your spouse is threatening divorce. Suffering physical, emotional abuse, and you can't find a way out. Maybe you've had an attack on your health or a loved one close to you. You've had this terrible diagnosis of Alzheimer's or or cancer. Death of a child, miscarriage. What do you do? Well, we do as David does here, and we pray. We pray to God. My second point. And David prays these big prayers to God, as we should pray big, to a bigger God. And the first prayer he makes is in verse 7. Prays to God for an answer. Verse 7. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I like be those who go down to the pit. David needs to know that God is there for him. I can't go on much longer without you. And in verse 1, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy in your faithfulness. Answer me in your righteousness. So he's just not asking for him to be heard, but he's asking for God to act. Answer me, he says. And that can be really frustrating, right, when you're having a conversation with someone and... They're hearing you, but they're not answering you. When you're speaking to maybe your your children and they're playing on their phones and they're like, huh? Or you're speaking to your spouse and you're you're half listening, your spouse catches you out, and and guys are terrible for this, right? And they they catch you out and they say, what what did I say? Repeat to me, what did I just say? And you say, "Mm, something about dinner? But what in a crisis? You know, a few weeks ago, um, I was at, turned up at work and I got three missed calls within the space of 10 minutes from the same number. I didn't know who this number was. And this number keeps calling me. And in a panic, I just declined this number because I know it's not going to be good news, right? It's bound to be bad news. And then suddenly I get this text message following up saying, hello, this is Shola from Safe and Connected. Your aunt has fallen on the floor. Please, can you call me? I was like, oh, oh no. My aunt 
My vulnerable elderly aunt has this safe and connected device around her neck that she would press in an emergency and help should come. But yet, I swipe and decline the call. No help comes. But eventually, fortunately, she manages to call an ambulance and she was okay. But here, you see, David can be expectant in God's hearing and answering. Why? Because unlike an unfaithful nephew who rejects calls, he has a faithful and righteous God who always listens and always answers the cries of his people. And it might be yes, it might be no, it might be not right now. And definitely not the way you expect. But he always answers. And the second big prayer we can pray is we pray to God for deliverance. Like in verse 9, David prays, Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. And whether you've been pursued by human enemies, Satan, sin, where do you flee to? Do you flee to your work? Do you work harder, hoping someone at the top will will, will see your hard work and, and, and save you from your situation? Do you earn more? Do you work harder and earn more money? Try and buy your way out of a situation. Do you turn to alcohol, drugs, addiction, escapism? Do you just watch YouTube for hours on end? Do you escape mentally for a few hours? Well, David recognizes that everything else is useless. He says, I flee to you, my God, my refuge. And the third big prayer David makes is he prays for a saviour. In verse 11, he says, For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life in your righteousness. Bring my soul out of trouble. David prays for God to save him, his life. But you see, for whose sake? It's not for his sake. At the beginning, verse 11, he says, For your name's sake. Well, how often that When we pray, we pray for our self-interest, for our own glory. David here, he prays, Save me, a wretched sinner, but do it for your righteousness, your glory, not mine. We should always align our prayers with God's glory, not ours. And you have to say, well, Ray, we pray all the time, we just pray just now, and we come to the central prayer meeting, we do a uh, prayer triplet, But what's your attitude when you pray to God? Do you see the position that you're praying from, as David does here? In in verse 2, David makes a plea to be be spared. He says, Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. So what David's doing here, he's displaying his caller ID when he he prays and and he calls up to God's throne room. He says, this is David here, your unrighteous servant. The servant that can, on his own, can only expect one verdict, guilty, one sentence, condemnation. And that's my third point. Do you see uh, your unrighteous, parched position? Do you come humbly in prayer? I think sometimes we, we treat prayer, our prayer lives, much like a drive-through, a McDonald's drive-through. You, you see your spiritual credit is good, you've You've been to lines down in-person service twice within a row. Despite the lockdown, you've upped your giving to church. You've shared your faith at work with others. Your spiritual credit is good. 
put your request through the mic and you say, uh, Lord, um, it's summer holidays now. I'd like six weeks of uninterrupted bliss. And you think you, God says, okay, drive up to the next counter, take your blessings, and you drive away. Do we see our unrighteousness as David does? Just the depravity of, of the language. Look at verse 6. At the end of verse 6, he describes himself like a parched land. And this is strange, right? This isn't, wasn't always the way. This wealthy, successful King David that slayed Goliath was famous amongst the whole land. You see, he had to be brought low to see his barrenness, to see his parched position. And that's only when he could thirst for God. And you see, he's not just praying for relief from his situation, but he's longing for God himself. He says, my soul thirsts for you. Well, I think if we're honest with each other, we see our nature is not too far from, from God's, and we suffer a crisis, and we desperately thirst for God, and then it's often drenched or even drowned by worldly abundance, by money, professional achievements, children, their achievements. Sometimes God strips us of everything before we can thirst for him. But see, as unrighteous, unworthy sinners, even with a humble attitude, how are we even able to ask for things from a righteous, all-powerful creator, God of heaven and earth? How would he even connect with us and, and even answer our requests, our prayers? You see, God in his mercy and grace did answer David and he's answered us. Because later to come was the only living person that was righteous before God. So in our parched, lifeless state that we would have a way and a way to ultimate safety, even to the point of death. Because in Jesus' death on the cross, he takes our sin, he gives us his righteousness. He suffered separation from his father that he never knew just so that we could have this unbreakable connection with our Heavenly Father, our only refuge. And Jesus is the only reason we can pray any praise, never mind big praise, to, to God, because these words of, of, and this prayer of Psalm 143, they could easily be the words in Jesus' mouth in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before his crucifixion and on the cross itself. Because was it not Jesus that said in Matthew 26, 38, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. That's the whole tone of this psalm at the beginning. Was it not Jesus who was pursued, betrayed, crushed to death by his enemies, like in verse 3 here? Was it not Jesus whose hands were stretched out on the cross and he said, I thirst, like in verse 6? Was it not Jesus who also pleaded for mercy, like in verse 1? But you see, it's not for himself but for the love of his people and his Father's glory. And Luke 23 says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The wrath of God on sin, that's humanity's ultimate crisis that Jesus saves us from. And it's so fortunate that we live on this side of the cross because we don't have to wait. There's no delay for a response. There's no breakdown in service. There's no monthly subscription required. Jesus is our safe and connected. And if you're 
not a believer trusting in, 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 in Jesus at the moment, and you're not safe and connected, either here listening to this now or online, speak to someone who has invited you to come here or to watch this online. If you're in a crisis and you're looking for peace or rest in worldly things, you won't find it. Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who labor, who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So we pray. And what else are we to do? Well, we're to also respond in recollecting Scripture. That's my last point. In verse 5, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. And what's David doing here? Is he reminiscing on the good old days? Is he being just sentimental? No, he's saying that his memory in Scripture, in the Bible, builds faith. And that's the reason why your quiet times, or reading your Bible, or your, your Bible devotion time is so important. And maybe verse 8 here gives a specific encouragement to do it in the morning, so you have encouragement for, to face the day. It's like that um, safe and connected device that vulnerable people have around their necks. I mean, that's just a sign of encouragement, a device that, that can, they can face the day. But as we see what God has done in history throughout in the Bible, our hearts can cry out, you've done it before, God, do it again. Please do it again. So maybe today here you're suffering an attack and maybe an attack on your mental health, uh, experiencing unexplained depression, anxiety, maybe throughout this lockdown, your heart's shaking a little bit and you shouldn't be feeling these feelings as a Christian. Am I really a Christian? Am I really saved? And of course it's okay to, for your heart to shake and wobble a little bit, at least at first, but it often takes that wobble for you to thirst for Christ. Because only then you can pray these big prayers, right? Pray for God to answer you, to deliver you, to save you. Please God, I don't see a way out from this. I need your help. You show me a way out. I don't want to feel the separation from you anymore. And not just reading verses in the Bible, but pray that into your prayers. Like in verse 8, it says, Let me hear of the steadfast love in the morning. To you I lift up my soul. I trust you, Lord. I put everything to you. And maybe you need real medical attention and you need wisdom to seek it. It says, Make me know the way I should go. Pray that in. You recollect scripture and you pray that into your prayers. So yes, we, we, we stay connected in prayer, we cry out to God individually, but we can also pray collectively, like we've just done. This psalm was written, actually, to be prayed in a temple amongst other fellow believers, which is why Praying together on a Sunday or the central prayer meeting also is so important. But when the world says seeking help is seemingly weak, turning to your Christian brother or sister and asking for help is not a sign of weakness, but more of a sign of maturity. Bro, I can't see a way out for this. I need your help. Can, can you pray for me? Will you pray with me together? Help each other to stay safe and connected in the gospel. But I don't mean 
to give false hope or, or have false hope yourself in, in deliverance from your natural sufferings because, yes, that might happen, it might not happen in this life, but you can take true, real encouragement when faced with a crisis because with recollecting Scripture, his word, you'll know how the story ends in deliverance for David, for, for Joseph in Egypt and all of God's people in the Bible because he has heard and he's delivered. At the end of time, in Revelation 21, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. And further on in the chapter, it says, And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. So then you will know by reading Scripture, recollecting Scripture, and praying in it, how the story will end in ultimate glory for those that stay safe and connected in Jesus. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your message to us this morning. We can take encouragement and joy even in grim situations. We praise you that you hear our prayers and you answered us. I pray here that if those are watching online or here even that are in crisis and suffering, that they would see their sin, their, their unrighteousness, that they would thirst and see your grace and cry out for your Saviour in Jesus. In his great name we pray. Amen.